Hello and welcome to Next on WQLN. I'm your host, Marcus Atkinson. If you get an opportunity, go to Facebook and like our page. You can also follow us on Twitter at 814 Next. Lend your voices to the dialogue. The Eastside Renaissance Beyond the Headlines. No doubt you've read some sort of articles in the newspaper about the Eastside Renaissance. You've probably caught newspaper clippings or clippings on the news and you've seen us in action. But we wanted to go beyond the headlines because I get the sense that more than likely you have heard about Bishop Brock, Marcus Atkinson, and Matthew Harris, all being the founders of the Eastside Renaissance, some of the backdrop, some of the backstory on the Eastside Renaissance. But what we wanted to do today was to slow down and really unpack some of the voices and the faces and names behind the scene that actually make the day-to-day operation of the Eastside Renaissance go on a ground level that you haven't heard about, that you haven't heard on the news, that you haven't seen in a newspaper. And so with that being said, it is my honor this morning or today to introduce Mr. Tim Shannon, the executive director of the Eastside Renaissance. Tim, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. All right. And Mr. Rodney Evans, owner of Supremacy Construction. Rodney, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me as well. All right. And Mr. Antoine Robinson, who was a Parade Street resident. Antoine, welcome to the show. Good to be here. All right. And so with Next, if you follow our format, it oftentimes focuses on next generation leadership. And we have profiled a lot of different people. Uh, Recently, we profiled Mr. Gary Lee from the DEI Commission and gave you an opportunity to get to know who he was personally as he was being introduced in his role. And I want to start by doing the same with Tim Shannon, because for many of you, you may not have heard of Tim Shannon, but Tim has been working behind the scenes for organizations that you do know for quite some time. And so Tim has most recently, before coming to the ESR, has worked with BEST. The Bayfront Eastside Task Force. Eastside Task Force. And Hoffman United, you've worked with. Yes. Tell us a little bit about your background in property management. Well, it it did not start with um, uh, Bayfront Eastside Task Force or Hoffman United. It actually goes back to when I resided in um, Akron, Ohio, and at Akron, Ohio, there was a company, uh, uh, Maple Valley uh, um, uh, Management, and there was where I started as a property manager for a, uh, a uh, very large organization. And, uh, and from there, I then um, came here to Erie, Pennsylvania, where I started with uh, Hoffman United. Um, and at Hoffman United, there was various... Um, responsibilities and duties that, you know, I held down, you know, uh, as far as working with the tenants firsthand, that being uh, my main responsibility, and the uh, collecting the rents and things of that nature and making sure that the operation ran as smooth as, as possible, uh, also working with uh, various projects um, that uh, we had, uh, some construction projects we had underway, and uh, renovation projects that we had uh, going on at the same time. And um, with those tasks and those responsibilities, I then took those um, that I built on and moved, transferred over to um, the Bayfront Eastside Task Force, where I was the uh, operations director there for uh, three years there. And uh, carrying those same responsibilities is how I kind of built my resume and, and uh, was able to then uh, bring these uh, experiences uh, and these uh, responsibilities here to the Eastside Renaissance. When you and I sat down before, you told a fascinating story about how you kind of fell into property management. It was somewhat baptism by fire. You were a resident at an apartment complex <laughs> yes. and, and 
the the managers, if you will, went AWOL. Yes. Give us the yes. condensed version of that story. <laughs> I thought that was fascinating. Yes, and, and it, it truly was. Um, I was a resident um, at the um, <clears throat> the Midtown Apartments uh, on 26th and Peach Street. And at being a resident there, uh, I was just working with the property managers and I would uh, assist them and help them out on, on the weekends. And uh, for some particular reason, the um, organization, they kind of went, you know, uh, they capsided and uh, they were, uh, they fell upon some hard times and they walked away from the property and, uh, and I'm, you know, just uh, sitting in the office when I'm like, okay, now what do we do? I'm a resident here and, and there's uh, tenants here. Uh, I believe we were at about 75% capacity. Mm. And uh, it's like someone has to carry on the duties, the responsibilities. 75% capacity at a at, large property. At a large property, <laughs> at a large property. And so I said, well, someone's got to carry on. So I took it upon myself because I, I did work, you know, weekends helping and assisting, as I stated, with the organization. So I, I began to uh, um, just collect rents. I began to keep a ledger of, of um, I had a ledger of the tenants, the names, and, and um their rents paid, and I just kept these uh, um, the proceeds in safekeeping, and I didn't know what to do with them. So I, I just they they just stayed in safekeeping until the time Northwest Bank uh, they did contact me and they they asked you know uh, who's running the property and I said, well I think I am, uh, and, and uh, to their surprise um, I had uh, kept everything in order mm -hmm. you know um, as what a manager should do. And um, after that, you know, uh, we met and I transferred all the, you know, uh, the, the monies to Northwest Savings Bank. And then they eventually had a, uh, a buyer mm -hmm. that wanted to, um, you know, then take over the property. And they kept me on as the property manager. Right. And, and this is where I started here in Erie. And I just continued um, learning and, and continued uh, uh, just, you know, um, getting my hands involved in, in, in the different, you know, projects yeah. and, you know, and this is that, that story I shared with you. I love you. that story. Yeah. I love that yeah. story. There's an old quote that says, if it is to be, it's up to me. Yes. And oftentimes when it comes to community, so many people will talk about what they see and what bothers them and the things that brings them aggravation and angst and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they themselves are the solution. Yes. Somebody ought to do X, Y, and Z. Well, why can't that yes. somebody be you? And I love the fact that in that particular instance, you just took it on took it and myself. said, I'll do it. And they kept you on and they, in they kept capacity me on. Yes. Yes. <laughs> after the fact. That's a great story. I want to talk a little bit about your time at the uh, Bayfront Eastside Task Force. Yes. Because being from Erie, born and raised, obviously you are not from here originally. No, no. Being from here, born and raised, and you know we grew up in neighborhood centers, King Center, JFK, Booker T, the list goes on. We, we kind of watched the rise of these neighborhood advocacy organizations. And so now you've got BEST and you've got the SSJ and you've got our West Bayfront, right. you know, and now you're adding organizations like the ESR. But that wasn't always the case. And so it's been fascinating to watch BEST operate on the Lower East Side. When you started working for BEST, it gave you a more intimate vantage point of everything going on in the neighborhoods. What were your thoughts about the things that you saw in Erie after you started to become familiar with the Lower East Side through Best? 
I truly felt that there there was a, a need. Number one, there was a need for me myself to get involved mm-hmm. and 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 um, contribute something to the neighborhood that I was residing in and to the community that I was you know living in. And I wanted to you know um, make some sort of impact. I I wanted to you know uh, help a community um, and especially the minority community that I seen that there was a a need um, for some revitalization. Mm-hmm. There was a, a need to breathe life back into these communities. And um, working at the Bayfront um, Eastside Task Force, it gave me the, um, uh, the opportunity to get, to get to know how nonprofit organizations, how they operate mm-hmm. and how they work within the community. Um, I, were, I was able to build relationships and I found that that was, that was key. That was huge to, um, to get out and meet the, the uh, players, if I, if I may, that, um, that work in the uh, capacity of, of building neighborhoods, of, uh, of work uh, uh, in the capacity of being voices uh, for the neighborhoods and making sure things get done in, in neighborhoods that um, may have been neglected or neighborhoods that have been left behind. Mm-hmm. And, and working at the, Bay, at, Eastside, at the Bayfront Eastside Task Force uh, with Jeremy Blazer, um, who had multiple years in that space, he shared some of uh, his knowledge with me and, and, and introduced me to a, um, the other neighborhoods. That's how I, I met you through yep. at Cerveri, mm-hmm. uh, right down the, uh, the street, being a tenant of uh, the Bayfront Eastside Task Force. Yep. And, um, and meeting you and, and, uh, and, and seeing the, your impact um, in the, the space of nonprofit, you know, it sparked my wanting to do more even more, right. you know, than I felt it was time. And, and I, if, I don't know if you recall the conversation that I had with you, it was uh, more or less, Marcus, I want to be able to be a part of my community, but I want to make sure I get uh, locked in and, and, and be able to meet the right people. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be able to meet people that are, 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 are doers and not just talking about right about um, making right. an impact or making changes within their community, but someone that, or people that are actually, you know, putting the legwork in, mm-hmm. you know. That's, and I, and you know, obviously we heard you loud and clear yes. <laughs> when you said yeah. that. Yeah. We had an event for the ESR, the Jefferson Society, and somebody stood up and spoke. And one of the things that I said in response was, it's easy to look at buildings and uh, nonprofit structures, grants, and everything else. What we tend to forget is that there are real people at the base of all of this minutia that people want to hear about. Absolutely, and that's the part that gets missed all the time. And so, when you were with Best, and you started to really get to know the residents, mm-hmm. the residents is one thing. People think about the area and how many properties do you own, and what are your rent rolls, and all of those kinds of things. How did it change your perspective as you got to know people personally on that side of town? Well, well, I can honestly say I was always a people person. I've always enjoyed the company of people, being around people, and not just people in high places, but people in all levels, all walks of life. Um, being a minister as well, that that you know plays a big part of as far as you know just meeting people where they're at. So what um, I think being at uh, Eastside Task Force and, and now here at um, 
the uh, uh, um, East Side Renaissance. Renaissance, that that has just enhanced uh, my wanting to 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 meet people where they're at and to work with them to make sure that they are uh, accommodated in, in in ways that you know where they're just getting uh, their basic needs taken care of mm-hmm. and 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 if there's uh, uh, anything else that can be done uh, uh, to improve their life their lifestyle right that that is something that I want to be part of but from the very you know onset of it I've always been a, a people person mm-hmm. I always want you know to be in the company of all types and you know all walks of life yeah that that disconnect between corporations and individual people, it's frustrating because you call on organizations like the Eastside Renaissance, Bayfront Eastside Task Force, or West Bayfront to mediate and moderate that relationship. Perfect example, I, I remember in my survey days, there was a particular grantor who was giving money to revitalize homes, the exterior of people's homes. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, I had one resident who was bending over backwards trying to provide all the information that, that we needed for this grant. Now, it was about $13,000 worth of home renovations at stake. Mm-hmm. And he just got frustrated with the process. And I understood that completely. Yeah. And at the end of the day, he just washed his hands and said, you know what? I don't need the money. Well, the truth of the matter is, yes, he did need the money. Yeah, yeah. But the people that give to these types of occasions, these types of organizations, this type of work, are oftentimes so far removed from the actual plight of the people that live in these neighborhoods. Mm-hmm that they don't necessarily understand what it looks like to serve people that live in these neighborhoods. And so uh, when we met, it was just, um, it was an eye-opening experience for me as we started to really interface with these residents and hear and see. And you can talk about, you know, what we're serving a resident of East 7th Street. Okay, but until you've been into one of their homes and talked about what's going on with their family and met them personally, Mm -hmm. you can't really serve people. Yeah, and so yeah, this yeah. is what happens when you start serving at this level. Fast forward, mm-hmm. ESR comes a calling. Ah, yes. What does that look like <laughs> for you? Is this an opportunity for you? What went into your decision to want to make the leap to head up this organization at a grassroots level? When ESR came calling, um, I, I, I would honestly first say that there was, okay, uh, Tim, uh, uh, do you think you can um, handle such a a calling mm. such a calling and uh and and i am a man of prayer so i'll to be honest with you i first took it to prayer and um after after prayer if you know i felt the the confidence um that um with my history the things that i have done in my past that why would i not be able to you know head an organization um or just work with an organization you know, and help with the day-to-day operations. Uh, being a, a team player, I checked the box for that. Being a honest individual, I checked the box for that. Uh, being a responsible uh, individual, box once again checked. And the list just went on and on. And I felt that there was no reason for me not to accept the calling. And um, and now that, you know, uh, I'm here, um, you know, uh, I see the the uh, the struggle. Uh, I see the um, um, well. You'll have that in any startup organization, mm-hmm. um, but I, I do understand that perseverance is key. I I do understand that um, you don't 
just jump ship and that's been part of my life to just hang in there yeah. you know uh if you hang in there you remove yourself out the way and you uh remember what the mission what you signed up for mm -hmm. and the mission being is you know you're a servant for the people and, and and as long as i keep that in the forefront then i'm able to you know accomplish you know the calling to be the you know um uh, a team member. I, right. I don't want to be, say, just a leader, but a be part of a team that I know that's going to, you know, be a great impact in that area, in that corridor mm -hmm. on Parade Street, as well as extending out to Holland, going west and also going east of Parade Street. So, um, with that said, you know, um, I, I accept the calling, and and now it's, uh, you know, uh, hands-on projects are 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 moving forward. Right. Um, and I'm looking forward to, to um, what uh, uh, the things that we have on docket and the things that we have in store, mm. you know, up and coming. So on the one hand, you have residents and small business owners that need to be served yes. and connected. On the other hand, you have entities, organizations that are granting the monies to do mm -hmm. this work you're finding out there's a lot of tension between the two. Yes, yes. <laughs> Trying to moderate, mediate that tension mm -hmm. is not an easy task. If you're listening, you may watch this on the news or you may read about it in the newspaper. Standing in that gap is difficult. Yes, yeah, yes, I, I, I must say. But I do, I look back on those that I've, I've worked with that have um, served in that space for multiple years. And I, well, I was um, blessed to be able to hear their frustrations, uh, to hear, you know, um, or, or to be part of the setbacks, uh, to be part of where plans didn't quite work out the way we thought. Mm -hmm. But yet and still, you you keep driving, you, you, you keep moving. And, and once um, you see the plans start coming together, the gratification that you get from that, that's like, wow, you know, um, it was all worth it. Right. You have that feeling that's all worth it. And once again, keep it in mind that you are a servant for the people. Mm -hmm. You're primarily, mission, primarily. Yes, yes. First and foremost. And, um, and the perks that come along with it, you know, the, you know, uh, the projects for, uh, the construction projects and things of that nature, those, uh, um, helps a community as, as well. But first and foremost, um, yeah, it's all for the people mm -hmm. and the frustrations you, you know, there are times you're going to have that. That's yeah. in anything that's worth doing in life, as they say, you know, you got to take the bitter with the, mm -hmm. with the sweet there and mm -hmm. you keep moving forward. You're listening to Next on WQLN Radio. I'm your host, Marcus Atkinson. We are here with Tim Shannon, who is the executive director of the Eastside Renaissance, Mr. Rodney Evans, who is the owner of Supremacy Construction, and Mr. Antoine Robinson, who is a Parade Street resident. We've been spending time with Tim, just unpacking his story on how he kind of fell into this and, yes. and the resume leading up to this moment at the Eastside Renaissance. And so we'll fast for forward even more. So the Eastside Renaissance holds an event at the Eagle's Nest Banquet Hall. Mm -hmm. And there is an open call to all minority contractors because now as the rubber meets the road and they're in the process of starting this work, they're looking for people that have certain skill sets and they're looking to um, mine the talent in the minority community in particular, not exclusively, but in particular. And so this is where Mr. Rodney Evans comes into the conversation. And so, Rodney, how did you hear about the event at the Eagle's Nest and talk about that experience? 
Well, throughout the years, there's always been some rumbling of about bringing about a lot of minority contractors into play. And I heard about it through Bishop Brock. And I reached out through, you know, Bishop Brock. It was some advertisement that he made a use. I think it was a flyer or something that you guys put out. And I reached out to him and he, you know, he was opened arms, like, you know, show up at this meeting and we're gonna go from there, Mm -hmm. pretty much. And so before we talk about how that meeting played out, Educate the listener a little bit on what it's been like to be a minority contract in Erie, Pennsylvania, contractor in Erie, Pennsylvania. Well, it's difficult at times. It's rewarding at times as well. You know, um, it's kind of like a ceiling in a sense, a glass ceiling with the projects, you know, the availability of the projects. It's kind of difficult at times. But overall, you know, it's business. You can't complain about that as well. Mm-hmm. And so honest answer, when you heard about the Eastside Renaissance, you heard the open call to try to bring more minority contractors to the table. They, the goal of getting more people of color involved. Were you hopeful, skeptical? Because I know that that's always been a goal. Every time you turn around, somebody's trying to bring on minority contractors. Right. Right. What were your thoughts when you heard about this? Uh, I, I was happy about it. You know, it was it was a long time coming and much needed in the, um, the community. It's a lot of times that uh, you see a lot of the work going outside of the community. You see other contractors coming in and doing the work that, you know, uh, your neighbor should have been applying to right. individuals around, you know, the companies that surround the neighborhood, minority contractors. Mm-hmm. How did you get involved with the construction industry? Who, who taught you to trade? What did that look like? <laughs> well, uh, one of the main individuals that taught me some things is a, a, a old carpenter from around Erie area, a fish, fisherman, they yeah. may call him, yeah. So some of the knowledge that I got from him was from fishermen and uh, another individual, uh, uh, Johnny McDowell. Yeah. So from these individuals, I learned a lot of skills. Yeah. Doing a lot of work. That's that old quote, each one reach one, each one teach right. one. Absolutely. And whatever <laughs> you know to give it to somebody else and kind of replicate yourself, that's a good story. Mm-hmm. And so you, from that meeting, you actually have gone on to contract with the Eastside Renaissance. Talk about some of the work that you're doing. Tim, you're more than you're more than free to chime in on this part of the conversation as well. Okay, well, the project that we're doing now is a residential on um, East 9th Street, and we pretty much are rehabbed the entire building mm-hmm. from top to bottom, indoor and outdoor. So pretty much bringing up the upkeep of the community. Mm-hmm. And I must say that uh, Rodney came on board, and when we presented the project to him, uh, he was excited uh, right. about you know the opportunity, and uh, and not knowing the contractors uh, here in Erie, there was something about um, uh, <laughs> uh, Mr. Evans that I, there's there's something special about this this guy here, <laughs> and I believe that he can you know uh, give us the the quality work that you know we were looking for. And he took the project on, and as he stated, he renovated the interior um, of the property uh, from uh, second floor, first floor, kitchen, you know, living room, uh, um, and he did a, a awesome job. And and then moving exterior, you know, polishing up the uh, exterior uh, of the of the property, and then finishing uh, putting a um, chain link fence, you know, uh, around the property. And looking at his um, his uh, finished product, that he has, you know, really showed that you know he has skills, 
and that uh, his work ethics are, you know, outstanding, you know, and we're looking forward to working with um, uh, Mr. Evans and, and more projects to come. And this is one of the reasons that we wanted to bring um, Rodney on to the show is because there are so many people like him that are just doing great work. They're toeing the line. You know, they're signing contracts and living up to the work that they've said that they would do. And people like him just aren't getting the opportunities, as many opportunities as they should. And as I said, obviously he pointed out that it's a rewarding thing. It's some frustrations. That's just business. But the work that he's brought to the table has been very valuable. It's interesting, Tim, that when this home was first purchased by the ESR, it was presented in a way that it was ready for rent or ready for sale for someone. You talked about all the work that Rodney's done Mm -hmm. and he's doing on that home. Why was all of that work necessary if the former owners assume the posture of this thing is ready to be rented or ready to be sold? Uh, In all due respect, you know, the, the previous homeowners, that's where they were at. This is what they considered, you know, something that they're ready to deliver to someone else. But um, our our standards that we have here at Eastside Renaissance, and I've sat, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Evans and I had the opportunity to sit down and speak about our standards, the type of product that we will want to turn over, you know, uh, to to a first-time homeowner. And that was very important to us, you know, to make sure that, you know, you want a product or a home, you want a home you know, that you would live in, that's a place that you would place your family in. And so our uh, um, our expectations of, of what we wanted to do with this here, we we, we shot high. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, and, and Mr. Evans, he, you know, I call you Rodney, uh, 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 Rodney, uh, he, he put the work in and he uh, met our um, asking, what we were asking him to do, and uh, he did a fabulous job, you know, with the property. Excellent. All right, you want to speak to that a little bit because looking at the work that you do, it, it does seem that you take the work personally. What's your process in your mind? Are you envisioning the people that's going to be in that that property when you're done? What's your process? Well, the main thing that I try to do first is to bring great workmanship mm-hmm. because that is more or less the advertisement. So especially being a small contractor, your work really speaks for itself mm-hmm. out here. Absolutely. So yeah. So and when he came and said that. You know, this project here, we got to make sure everything is, you know, to great specifications. So that's really was pretty much up my alley because a lot of the work that I do, I put a lot of pride into doing it. Mm-hmm. So pretty much. Excellent. And so, Antoine, we, we saved you for last, but you are arguably the most important person at yes. this table because you're actually a resident of Parade Street. And it's the most important voice in the room when it comes to this kind of work because that's the voice you want to try to connect to. So tell us a little bit about uh, your background in Erie. I know that you're from here. I've actually known you since you were a kid. And we've all known each other since we were young bucks. And um, talk about your life in Erie and how you landed on Parade Street. Well, uh, Antoine Robinson, um, I've been a resident of parade street for maybe four years now mm-hmm. uh it's not the best condition but we make do me and my wife is just her and i out here mm-hmm. uh we make do with what we have and um i i grew up in area all my life 46 years mom uh, dad around uh the family and a lot of people that help mold me into the person that i am you know that's skills uh 
different labor moves and uh I'm just I, I like to get dirty you know what I mean and that's always been me you know whether it was in the backyard doing some leaf or raking leaves or whatever it was you know I I, I came from a good family uh I, again, I, I thank you guys for having me here today. Uh, getting into the demo part of it, of this Eastside Renaissance, mm-hmm. I was introduced to Mr. Tim Shannon mm-hmm. uh, during an inspection, and it was just a uh, man of my word type thing. You ready to work? Yes, I'm ready to work. I'm ready to get in, get dirty, because it's for the community, like you guys were saying. And I'm all for improving the community. Wherever, wherever community I'm in, yes. you know, and not only that, it improves the city as as well. Back to the old days where Parade Street was the main route, you know, and not State Street, but we wanted to look like State Street, you know. Right. I'm I'm just I'm excited to be a part of this though. Yeah. Like that's you know. I want to take advantage of the fact that you two, uh, you and Rodney are both from Erie. Your roots are here, and Antoine, I'll start with you and Rodney. You can chime in on this. Give the listener a sense of, from your perspective, how how much how has the community changed? You know, we remember what neighborhoods felt like back in the day. We remember life, yes. whether it was the neighborhood centers, as we talked about. What has changed in community, from your opinion? And then we'll go to Rod on that. From my perspective, I'd say leadership. You know, leadership uh, goes a long way. And when you don't have enough leaders people that's trying to get it started and finished, uh, you have problems. You know, you you run into a lot of kinks in the road. And uh, But for me, myself, I think I'm headstrong, but I know I'm an Indian in this. I'm not a chief. I, I, I know my role in this whole project. Um, I've seen a lot of things change in Erie. Uh, I've seen a lot of people come and go in Erie as far as uh, contractors, business people, you know. You got Nick Scott moving in, you know, building up all these hotels, which is a good thing. You know, it's just I'm not taking nothing or disrespecting nobody, you know. Um, It was needed. And he saw that vision where it was needed and let's do it. Mm -hmm. You know, let's bring it back. But I, I do go back. Chestnut Pool and uh, Chestnut Street Pool, and where he was talking about. And, and for the listener, that's before there was a bayfront down there. <laughs> there was actually a swimming pool that we used yeah. to swim in as kids. They had Girls' Day and Boys' Day. Absolutely. And we go down on Girls' Day to watch the girls swim. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and the next day we would swim. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we had some good times. You know, I grew up on the Lower West Side. You know, it was a little different from the East Side in my vision you know um just uh with the discipline and how we were raised it was a little different yeah. you know and, but it was a community though mm-hmm. and it, everybody was like uh, t- uh tight you know like you can get discipline from the neighbor you know mm-hmm. growing up in my neighborhood i've never seen that anywhere else you yeah. know but um but just the legacies of uh people like uh the King Center, uh, Mr. Thompson, mm-hmm. you know, people had visions, you know, and we're living out those visions trying to Excellent get these point. communities Excellent together. Point. You know, I, I had a lot of mentors coming up. I, I don't want to get the name of people, but um, they, it, they molded me. Yeah. And um, 
and some of the people in this in this room, you know, yeah. because I am the youngest one in this room. You so. are. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I've been molded in, in a good way, though. And uh-huh. I, I think it, it stands for MAD. And MAD is uh, making a difference. Mm-hmm. Now, see, he said he was the youngest in the room. We, we look at that as age discrimination, but we're not going to go there. We all family up in here. He is the young buck in the room. Yes. Rod, I, I'll go with you on how much the community's changed because, like, I got connected to you in your high school years. You know, popular guy, great athlete, man. What was life like in Erie for you then versus what you see going on in Erie now? You know, as as he was talking, I was sitting there thinking what was going through my mind about the changes that took place from my era to now is that, and he mentioned community. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the community centers, the Booger T. Mm-hmm. Washington Center, uh, JFK Center, you know, travel down to the Martin Luther King Center, things like that over on the west side. And nowadays, you don't see the community center involvement with the youth nowadays. And a lot of my time was spent in those community centers. Mm-hmm. I think that changed and the availability of the community centers is contributing towards, you know, some of the violence that's going on with the youth in the city right now. Yeah. Mm. yeah so that's one of the changes I've seen in the city from compared to my time and compared to what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I got to go back to something Antoine said about, uh, and then we'll go back to the demo, about just visionaries. And now that we are all grown men, to look back at the work of, Bobby Harrison at the JFK and Alex Thompson, you know, at the Kingston, or Ernest Denny at the Booker T. And we didn't have an appreciation. Well, we we weren't exposed to, let me say it like that, all the work that it took for them to get these programs funded and to get them staffed. And now that I'm older and we got responsibilities of our own, I'm like, man, they spent hours Making right. sure that we had wrestling programs that we didn't have to pay for, track programs we didn't have to pay for, tutoring programs. We, and now it's you're right, Rod. It's, it's a different role in community, right? Right, and it seems like all of that has changed. And so, you, Antoine, to go back to what you said about demo, and once again, Tim, you're free to chime in on this. So you're actually doing demo in a building that you live in. Yes. What has that been like? That I. I liked the idea from the from the beginning. Um, I knew that this building needed some work because it's an older building in that community. Uh, there's been a lot of different businesses in that building. Um, the demo part of it, it, like I said, it's a dirty job, you know. But if you got the right crew, people working together, things get done. Things get done the way uh, it's it's. Those standards, we meet those standards that uh, Tim was speaking on, but um, it's it's a big change uh, for that community just to see us in there cleaning those uh, uh, building part uh, buildings out. People have a lot of questions. What are they going to put there? What are they doing with that? You know, and I don't have the answers to those questions. But uh, like I said, it's just, it's just good being a part of it. I get dirty. We get on ladders, scaffold, uh, uh, scaffolds. Um, there's brooms and uh, sto- uh, what, what I want to say, uh, shovels. Everything going on in there. You know, it's just dirty, and we don't know uh, if it's a safe job. But we're being safe with the uh, PPE and uh, 
and Man, just watching each other, you know, and, and just keeping an eye on each other because it's for the community. And everybody that I'm working with is on the same page. Mm-hmm. You know, they know they're making a difference. So you're living upstairs, but this is the first time that you've seen the inside of some of these old office fronts downstairs. Yes. Were you shocked at the condition of some of them? Yes, that they were abandoned like that or uh, like, you know, my questions are who owned these places? Right. You know, uh, why didn't they do this or that with it? You know, but to see the East Side Renaissance doing something with it or just the beginning of it is a great thing. Mm-hmm. And it is going to fulfill this community here. It Tim, just, help us. Go, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just going to tag uh, just to add on what um, Sean is speaking about. Um, when I first when we first put eyes on um, the project there at uh, 9, 10, 9, 12, yes. uh, just from the, from the outdoors, you could just look through the, the windows. You could see the amount of, let's just say garbage, trash, that just debris that, that just filled the space of, of that, um, that uh, um, building there. And I believe we went through several, several dumpsters. Yes. Uh, our, our first mission of the operation was to clear out to clear out and we just went, uh, we had a team of, uh, I believe we had seven to eight guys on that team. Um, and we just started loading dump 30 yard dumpsters. Uh, and like I stated, went through several of them. And then once getting it cleared out, then we could get a better eye on the actual condition of the building. Right. And then getting eyes on it, these uh, uh, properties have been neglected a great deal. And to even have um, uh, uh, people, res- tenants within the space, you know, it, it's not uh, a, a wise thing to do. And as we speak, we are working at uh, uh, relocating um, other tenants. And we want to make sure that the, uh, when we relocate them, that we are moving them into a, 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 a something that's uh, conducive to just Good living, right? Just good right. living. That's that's what we're trying to, you know, accomplish. And um, after you know, you know, looking at the condition of the building, it's like number one, who would let this happen to you know? Who would allow this to happen? Same thing. Antoine and was and, and right. number two, you know, uh, number two, what are we going to do about it now? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so that's when we put things into action, and uh, we um, had the team going, and they have done a fabulous job of taking the um, demo right down to the studs and the floor joists in the areas that was the most safe. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and then, you know, um, having an architect, um, we have uh, Adam, Adam Trot. Trot. Adam right. Trot has, you know, laid out some great plans for us, uh, uh, sketches for us of what we're going to do with the building. And um, we have in line a um, contractor that will come in, a well-known minority contractor, Donnie Crenshaw, that will be coming in to uh, uh, putting, as uh, I say, putting Humpty back together. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, we're, and we're looking forward to this. But it's, you know, the different phases. Mm-hmm. We have to be patient in the, right. uh, the plan and to make sure that, you know, we do it right. You know, right. and that's, that, that's key. You know, if we're going to rehab these these uh, uh, buildings, uh, take your time with them. Don't don't do the rush job. You don't want to go in there. Just throw paint, throw carpet, flooring. Okay, we're done. That's not you know, uh, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and that's the way uh, um, East Side Renaissance look at it. That you know, we want to make these things you know uh, uh, the quality uh, uh, um, and make them 
some some quality properties. I want to level set the conversation because, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were at best. That organization is 40 plus years old. Am I correct? I can't give you the exact years, but you're somewhere around there. Exactly. Yes. So when people look at all the work that Best has done, all the properties they've purchased, all the lots mm-hmm. that they've cleared, all the renovation work that they've done. I'm like, they've been around for a couple of decades. Been around for a while. And this is one of the issues sometimes when you're doing kind of work that you do, that Rodney does, is that Antoine is helping with. People want results overnight. That's mm-hmm. not the way it works. Mm-hmm. But I know that this is something that they're attacking a residential or commercial uh, perspective, and, and there are residential units that are being looked at to be purchased right now. Rodney, if you could plant your flag into any particular kind of work in these phases, because this work's going to be going on for a couple of years. We know that you do a lot of things. Is there a certain area that that you say to yourself, you know, that's that's where I really shine and I really want to get involved with this kind of work in particular as much as possible? What would that be? Um, I would say the roofing systems mm-hmm. on the projects on Parade Street. I would like to get involved with that, the commercial roofings on some of the buildings, probably like East Area Turners, things like that. Mm-hmm. The rubber the rubber roofing systems pretty much. What is it about roofing that resonates with you? <laughs> I guess. I guess I'm up so high, I guess. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, I don't know. That pretty much was the first thing that I really learned how to do and mastered in a sense. Mm-hmm. So from that point on, it was kind of like the foundation. So I pretty much like roofing the most yeah. out of the construction things that I do. But I'm not limited to just roofing, though. I got you. And, and that's interesting that you say that because I know that during my time at Survey, when I was going to all of these homeowners, the area that gave, that gave them the most problem financially that roof, man. Yes, yes. And when there's an issue with the roof, that mm-hmm. price tag can be heavy if you are not mm-hmm. maintaining that roof on a regular basis. Correct. And so that is an area, especially as we try to encourage more homeowners that actually live in the area, not people that's going to buy it and rent it. That's probably going to be an issue. Are you finding with a lot of the homeowners that you've worked with in the city, that's the area that seems to need the most care? Yes. With area the weather, you know, changes. You yeah, get all right. you got all the seasons in extreme. So the roofing system pretty much you can't do none of the work within the home or the building if the roof isn't correct. Because mm-hmm. it's just gonna leak down into it. So yeah. A lot of problems occur with the roof in, in the eerie area. Mm-hmm. And so patchwork and you do things along those lines. When is it when people start having, what are some of the issues that people start having that they need to pay attention to mm-hmm. before the roof completely gives out? Talk about the maintaining a roof over time as opposed to just letting it, letting it give out completely. Well, the weather, definitely the weather, the ice buildup in the city definitely is like an indicator on there. If, you, if it's not draining properly off of the roof, you can tell, pretty much tell if it's, you know, if it's the system's not, you know, going correctly. Mm-hmm. I went to a resident's house one time, and they said they had a leak. And they walked me upstairs, and, and the ceiling yeah. just had brown water patches all over the place. Walks me out to the backyard, and there is literally a hole in the roof, <laughs> and they had a tarp over it, right. right? And so those type of issues can be repaired without replacing the whole roof, true or false? Well, it depends. Okay. You know, one thing about roofing is, is everything is the same, but a lot is different. Got it. So the situation right there may cause for, uh, you know, a repair 
on some situations, but on other situations may call for overall new roof. Mm-hmm. Just it depends. You have to look at it and you know have the experience to know what you're getting into. Got it. And to to add to what uh, Rodney's saying, that it is uh, having the uh, proper system on your property. It it is key um, <clears throat> because allowing water to penetrate to get in to your your property. Um, it could be a, a, a monster uh, attacking your home from behind the walls. And before you ever, you know, really realize how much damage you could have rotted or, or, or it eats at the material, you know, behind your walls. Mm-hmm. Um, I've right. seen where um, uh, they've, uh, where a um, water leak from a roof was allowed to continue for so long that it had uh, penetrated the, um, the staircase to where it had weakened the the uh, the, the uh, homeowner's staircase. Now uh, that's to me is a uh, high on the level of you know it's not safe. <laughs> right. it, it, it's not safe. So um and we all know of the um the problems that that black mold uh, right. can yes. can bring to the table. So yeah, so having the right roofing system, yeah, it is key. It's a very important. It's easy to say from a home as far as the homeowners go. Well, they ought to do this, or that's something that they ought to stay on top of. And I think about my own circumstances. You know, I had my water guy come out because we had a water leak. And he's walking me through to show me the problem. My nine-year-old son is following me around, and he's listening to the conversation. Mm-hmm. When my, my guy in the back was building something from building a shed for me, he's giving me an estimate and walking me through what it was going to take. My nine-year-old son is standing there. My point is he's being taught home ownership mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at nine years of age. So many residents in areas like this, you know, they may have inherited the house from auntie, from grandma, you know, and even when you start asking about the deeds and, and official documents, a lot of times— they don't know because they got mm-hmm. the, the home from this person or that person. And people do what they know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Home ownership, vehicle ownership. Oftentimes, somebody modeled what it looks like to take care of a house mm-hmm. or to take care right. of a home. And, you know, as you're working with the residents, with the residents, oftentimes you see that that's not the case. You speak into that. Uh, yeah. Home ownership. It, it is a. Um, to take on those responsibilities. And as we know, um, home ownership in the minority community is low. 3%. It's very low. So you're, therefore you're taking a homeowner of a minority community from a renter to a homeowner and not knowing the um, all the responsibilities that, that come along with that. Um, you know, you do have your, your perks as a, as a uh, renter, you know, well, you can call the landlord Absolutely. if you can make contact with them. But becoming a home a homeowner, there's no more picking up the phone and saying, you know, yeah. Mr. Landlord, you are the landlord. Yeah. You know, you're the owner. So therefore, um, being educated on, you know, your heating system or your AC system, if you have that, um, being educated on your 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 uh, uh, the just minor plumbing, just your general plumbing, uh, that's 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 key. That's that's huge. Being able to um, uh, locate a good contractor, you know, because some of the works as being a homeowner, you're not going to be able to do it yourself. So therefore, you need that relationship or that connect with someone that's going to be responsible and be able to, you know, give you a a quality service, you know, so you can keep your, you know, your home, you know, in in good operating conditions. Um, So there, you know, so that's, I, I think, this is my opinion, that it's important that, there's some kind of training that 
a, a organization or these nonprofit organizations, which the space we're, we're speaking about, can can provide for, right. you know, the homeowners that, you know, these are tips and these are things that you should be looking out now that you're homeowners or you've been for these many years, but you were, uh, you just know the basic stuff mm-hmm. when there's, there's much more to know, you know, so you don't have that roof leaking and well you didn't know what to do or you didn't know who to contact um or you know your your utility bill is sky you know it's to the to the moon okay why is this here okay well you need some weatherization to your home you know so having a relationship having you know good contacts is something that you know we as uh, um organizations can can get the information out you know to first-time homeowners and existing, you know, homeowners. I think it's key. Excellent. Antoine, I want to go back to you because you are now involved with a lot of different disciplines in this space from an up-close and personal perspective that maybe you were, maybe you weren't in the past. And whether it's people like like Rod or people like um, Mr. Crenshaw or Mr. Harris, you know, all of these different people, how has this changed your outlook on the work that organizations like this do in neighborhoods. Well, as far as what what Tim was saying, you know, you need these people uh, in in your in your book. You know, what I mean, if you're gonna need some work done, you need to know who you're calling for that. Um, the Eastside Renaissance is like a savior right now to this to these communities that they're they're trying to revitalize. You know. Um, mm-hmm. And I just wanted to be a part of it, and I thank them for the opportunity mm-hmm. that they've given me. Um, like I said, I, I have a lot of skills. They're going to help me apply them the right way and, and being a leader, uh, taking my crew and not only doing demo, but doing whatever is needed and necessary for these communities. Mm-hmm. That's and it goes back to something that um, Rod said a second ago. I want to kind of touch on that again as we close. You know, you mentioned, and, and Antoine, having you work on this project just makes perfect sense because, again, this is your neighborhood. It's what you call right. home. Right. How do you not have you involved? Rod, you made that right. point earlier. You got contractors coming in from out of town, and you try to build a, you're trying to build up a community, but it's bigger than just, you know, the buildings Give us, in your opinion, the benefit, the value of not just this organization, but all of these organizations getting people involved from a contract level that have roots in Erie. Why is that valuable, in your opinion? Why is that important, in your opinion? First, I think these programs are great programs. I remember when I was working with um, GCAC and the weatherization program, it was geared towards energy efficiency. And I thought that program was great. And things with Eastside Renaissance, uh, Best that you mentioned, mm-hmm. those are great programs, very good programs. Um, in my opinion, I think the accessibility of, I guess, the funding towards these individuals should be, um, I guess, more accessible in yeah. a sense. And you mentioned, I know it's difficult to it because you mentioned earlier when you said about like how Mr. Denny and individuals who had to put in all that work to make sure all the funding was evolved. So I know it's funding, it's certain issues that you gotta get available, but uh, things with these programs, I wish that the availability to more individuals was more 
accessible in right. a sense, mm-hmm. like you know, right. or more knowledgeable. You know, mm-hmm. more information is put out there to them to say that they qualify for these type of improvements on their home through you know East Side Renaissance or mm-hmm. through Best or whatever the program is going on in the city. Right. It, listen, already makes an, an excellent, excellent point. And that is the bane of the existence of a lot of organizations that want to empower everyday people. You know, you, there's monies available, but so many times it's red tape wrapped all around it. Or you got a gatekeeper who understands how to detangle the red tape, but they don't want to tell you how to detangle the red tape so that they can stay the gatekeepers. And at the end of the, the people who need the money, you have to make it more accessible. You have to give them the tools and the knowledge to access this. And you may have to change the rubric. Sometimes you got this list of 78 things that they need to access this access this money. Could it be 38? Mm-hmm. Are there 40 rules is in place mm-hmm. just because? Mm-hmm. And when you really start to get in from the, the inside and look at just the way all of the, the information and the funds and everything is disseminated, there's just a lot of unnecessary steps yeah. in there. And you've got good people like the people at the table here that are just trying to improve their lives and the lives of others. And you say, well, there's funding out there available. Make that accessible, is Rodney's saying. Right. Make it accessible. And so, Tim, as we start heading toward the finish line of this, mm-hmm. give us your hopes and your aspirations for the East Side Renaissance. We know you've been in this work for a while, but this is, the, I, I think, the first time you've been in a position where you are speaking into, if not directly guiding an organization to a positive result. What results are you looking for forward to in the near future? Well, we we, we spoke of, of um, some of the results that uh, we're, we're looking for. And um, and number one being a, a change for the better for the, the people within the community. Uh, we're looking at those that um, occupy homes that are residents. And we know of some of the conditions it, you know, it doesn't take a a, um, a a very bright and brilliant person to walk through a neighborhood and see that it's been neglected, to see that it needs, you know, um, some TLC. Let them just keep it simple. And um, and as we, we spoke about it, we know that there's fundings, there's resources, there's uh, uh, monies that's on the table you know, to get the job done. Mm-hmm. So um, as you stated, and it's, you know, so true, um, removing some of the red tape so you can have this this money available to the individuals that have immediate need. Some of, some of these uh, uh, homeowners or people within the community, they need readily available funding to make their improvements that's needed. Um, and to prioritize that in a way to where we can get things done. Yeah. We, we can, you know, those who have severe uh, um, issues going going on with their homes, let's tackle them. Let's mm-hmm. not just, just talk about it. Let's get the information to them where the, these monies are at and how you apply for them and, uh, and get that process going uh, for the uh, individuals. Uh, and then moving toward the... Uh, um, the the projects and the revitalization uh, of the, um, the the commercial spaces and the the residential living on Parade Street on that Parade Street corridor, we want to bring that you know up to a a a, a view where you know uh, 
I don't want to say to, to match another neighborhood, but it, it needs some less. It needs improvement. I got you. It needs uh, some uh, attention, and 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 to pour into it, you know, uh, fundings, monies, uh, um, so so you can match what's existing now. You have your Krauses there now. You have your Denny's there now. You have uh, uh, um, staple uh, uh, businesses there now, mm -hmm. but around them, you know, there are properties that's deteriorating. Right. And if you bring those properties up to a, to a level um, to where you're, you're, you, you then see beauty throughout and not just in different spots, I think that, you know, I don't think I know that you'll have a a community where people are proud to live in. Amen. You'll have a, a a community where people will be returning to. I live in the neighborhood as well, over on Second Street, and that Prey Street corridor. That's you know my thoroughfare. Yeah. I, I I use that on a daily daily basis, hourly basis, and you know to see you know what it could be or what it will be. Let me change that. What it will be, it brings, you know, I now have pride in the neighborhood that I live in, Amen. that I live in. Well, I'll tell you what, thank you so much. I know that the, the tagline of Eastside Renaissance is providing hope, and I can hear hope at the table with all of our residents today. As we close, sometimes you'll you'll go to social media, and you'll have all these keyboard warriors when they see certain articles. Mm -hmm. And it's so sad when you see people that have negative things to say. And what you hear so often is, well, the people that live in these areas that are from these areas should be doing the work. First of all, they are. Mm -hmm. yes. They are. And as you're hearing with, at the show, I mean, even Tim, the way he started in this work, it was an attitude of here I am, send me. Mm -hmm. Right. You've got Rodney, who's from Erie, who's from inner city Erie, who grew up in these schools and these neighborhoods. Here I am, send me. You've got Antoine, who's from Erie, who's from these inner city neighborhoods, who lives in these neighborhoods. Here I am, send me. This is not a group of people waiting to be rescued. This is a group of people that are proud of where they're from, and they just want the dignity that other neighborhoods enjoy. And like other folks are willing to be a part of the solution and work for it. And so Antoine Robinson, Rodney Evans, Tim Shannon, thank you all so much for coming on thank to the you. show today. Thank, thank you. you all, the listener, for listening or watching. This has been Next on WQLN with Marcus Atkinson. Once again, you get a chance, go to Facebook, like the page, go to 814 Next and follow us. Tune in every fourth Sunday of the month at 4 p.m. at 91.3 FM. For WQLN, we will see you next time.